Welcome back, Journey. I'm so glad you're joining us again for worship today. I don't know if you have been getting out a little bit more, maybe doing some shopping, maybe uh, getting food from a restaurant or just moving around a little more now that our state is starting to reopen a little bit. If you have, then you've noticed that things are different uh, when you go to the store, there, there are directions, there are rules, there are uh, patterns that we now have to follow that we never had to follow before. You have to, you have to wait six feet away from someone just to get into the store. Uh, some stores have one-way aisles. You can only go down the aisle one way. And some of you have had some pretty funny posts about accidentally going down the wrong way and getting the look from someone. Uh, that's what we're experiencing. Right? It's all new to us. And life is not always going to be this way, but it is right now. Just a lot more directions, a lot more patterns, uh, a lot more rules that we have to follow and, and it's for the good, it, it's for everybody's health, it's to keep everybody safe, but it's unusual. And just think how much we're going to appreciate it in a few months or somewhere down the road where we don't have all of those directions, where we don't have all of those patterns, where we don't have to worry which way we're supposed to go up and down the aisle or where we're supposed to stand. Hopefully we're gonna appreciate normal a lot more than we did before all of this. Appreciate not having stickers on the ground that say, stand here, don't move any closer. Plexiglass in front of the person who's checking us out at the grocery store. Hopefully we're gonna appreciate it when life begins to go back to normal. But this is a struggle for us, if we're honest. And I think one of the reasons it's such a tension for us is because we're accustomed to choices. We're accustomed to doing what we want, when we want, how we want, where we want. We're accustomed to being able to just decide which aisle we're going to go down and where we're going to stand. We're, we're accustomed to not being told you have to wait before you go into this store. We're accustomed to having choices, and some of those choices have been limited right now. The book of Psalms uh, begins with a chapter that's about a choice. It, it, it's, it's about a path that you and I have to choose. There's a fork in the road, and we have to choose one of those two paths. We can't go down both of them at the same time. We can't choose to go down neither of them. We have to pick a path, and we have to begin to move forward the reality is we're all on one of these two paths and and you probably hadn't thought about which path you're on lately you you you, you probably haven't given it much thought over the last couple of days or weeks or months but we're all on one of these two paths and 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 maybe you you and i aren't consciously choosing that path every single day we don't get out of bed and go okay i'm on this path but we're on one of those two paths Past. Maybe we don't remember when we got on it. Maybe we don't know how long we've been on it. But the reality is we're on one of the two paths that are presented by the author of Psalm chapter 1. Now, the psalmist presses a couple of questions on us. The, the psalmist wants us to ask, which path are we on? 
just assess for ourselves, you for you, me for me. The psalmist, as we read these verses, he's saying, you need to look at the path that you're on. Not so much how you got on it or or when you got on it. Not, Not so much the details, just be honest. Which of these paths are you walking right now? Not trying to figure out who caused you to get on that path or or who you might blame for being on that path not saying you know if it wasn't for this person I wouldn't be on this path that's not the point of the psalmist the author is simply posing the question to us which of the two paths are you on so that's the question I want you to ask what path am I on and then the second question follow-up question to that is is that the path I want to stay on Which path am I on? Is that the path I want to stay on? Or do I want to shift to a different path? The author also, to kind of help us choose paths, the author is also trying to help us see where the path is going to lead. Sometimes when you're on a path, you can't always see the destination. You're not always thinking about where this path is going to take you. And so the author does that. In just a couple of verses, he says, these are the paths. You're on one of them. Is that the one you want to be on in light of where this path is going to take you? So let's begin. Psalm chapter 1. It's in the middle of your Bible. It's fairly easy to find if you just kind of open your Bible to the middle. You'll probably land in Psalms, go all the way to the beginning of Psalms. Chapter 1. This is how it starts. Blessed is the one, and we're going to pause right there. Blessed is the one. So already the author's foreshadowing the destination of one of these paths. One of these paths leads to what he calls a blessed life. Now, blessed and blessing, those are complicated terms because... We associate a lot of things with the word blessed or with the word blessing. Uh, He's not saying that you'll be blessed as in material possessions. Sometimes we use blessed that way in our our world. Uh, He's not talking about uh, financial wealth. He's not talking about status. He's, he's not really talking about the physical world of gaining. So he's not talking about your house. He's, he's not talking about your car. When the Bible and when, when this author uses blessed, some, sometimes it's translated happy. That, that's an appropriate translation. When the author uses the word blessed, he means deeply fulfilled and satisfied. Having a a deeply meaningful life, Uh, a a life that is characterized by an inner sense of joy and peace, Uh, a life that, well, it matters. It has meaning and purpose. It's an abundant life. As we've been talking about this series, A Time to Plant, we've been talking about harvest Psalm chapter 1, the person who wrote that said, there is a path that leads to an abundant life, an inner life that is satisfying. And he's probably going to say the other path is not going to lead in that direction. Now, it's important to know he's not talking about individual blessings. 
He's not saying, well, you get a little of that and you get some of this. And if you do good, then you get that thing. He's talking about a general characteristic that pervades all of our life and all of our, it's all of our days. It's an ongoing sense of blessing that we live a life of abundance and meaning and depth and satisfaction and purpose. One of the paths leads in that direction. He continues from there with a bit of misdirection because you think he's going to describe that path. He actually switches gears and begins to describe the other path. Again, from verse 1, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Instead of telling us what the, what the blessed life is like, he tells us what the blessed path, the blessed life is not like. Right? He, we think he's going to describe this path, and he says, this path is not like this path. And the other path is characterized by things like walking in step with the wicked, he says. Standing in the way that sinners take. Or sitting in the company of mockers. He's describing a path that resists the will and direction and plans of God. The path towards blessing moves in the direction of God's plan and God's direction. The path that's not blessed moves away from God's will and God's direction and God's, God's plan. Now, notice... He describes the other path in terms of who we're walking with, who, the, who our company would be if we were on this other path. For example, example our, our company would be walking in step with the wicked. That would be our company. Or standing in the way that sinners take, sitting in the company of mockers. In other words, there's people on both paths. There's, there's a crowd of people traveling both paths. If you're on this path, which obviously he's saying is the wrong path, you, sh- you don't want to be on this path. But if you're on this path, you're going to be surrounded by certain people. Now, some people see his description as a progression. You, you're walking. In other words, you're kind of walking by the wrong path, but you're not stopping. You're kind of checking it out. But then that progresses to standing. Now you've stopped. Now you've really taken an interest in this other path. And before you know it, you're sitting. You're comfortable with those things that maybe you weren't comfortable with before. And maybe there is this progression of moving from bad to worse when you and I are on the wrong path. Now, a couple of things about his description of this wrong path. First, If you want to know how well you're walking, look at who's walking with you. If you want to know how well you're walking, look at who's walking with you. Who's around you on the path that you're on? As you're trying to figure out which path of life am I on, one way to begin assessing that is to look at the people who are walking the same way you're walking, who have the same opinions about things that you have. 
who make the same choices that you have, that, that you make, the same decisions that you make. When you voice an opinion, who are the people who rush to agree with you? They're, they're probably walking the same path you are. They're probably looking in the same direction as you are. Because there are other people on the path, then you and I can kind of look around and see who's moving in the same direction that I'm moving and is that the direction I think I should be? Is that the crowd I want to be moving with? And another thing you can ask is, um, uh, who doesn't seem to be on the same path with me? Right? Who's silent when I have a strong opinion? Like, who pushes back? Who steps away? Who's, who's not the crowd? And are those people that maybe I should be following, or are they people that... I shouldn't be following. Checking out the crowd around us can help us decide which path we're on. Have you ever been walking somewhere outside and you weren't real sure how to get where you were going? Maybe you were going to an event, but you were having to walk a little ways. You weren't sure you were going in the right direction. And somebody in your group said, hey, that person looks like they know where they're going. Let's follow them. Like most of us have done that. That person seems to know where they're going. I think they're going to the same place we're going. Let's all go with them. Let's follow them. Sometimes assessing who is on the same path we're on gives us insight into what that path is really like. Now, I'm not saying we should be antagonistic to people who disagree with us or we should be harsh in our opinions. What I'm saying is evaluating who's going the same direction you're going in can serve as a little bit of a mirror into your own heart and your own decisions and the path that you're on. Second thing I want to pull out of that, that first couple of verses. What are you growing more comfortable with that you were not comfortable with in the past. Again, this progression, walking, standing, sitting. This progression from bad to worse, this progression of acceptance, this progression of, oh, I'm just kind of looking at it, now I'm engaging and now I'm in the middle of it. Is, is that happening anywhere in your life? Are there things that you once said, I would never, and, and they're starting to become a part of your routine? I would never, and, and you found ways to justify things that you used to never think you would do or never think you would say or, or, or never think you would be motivated by or never think you would be interested in. The psalmist warns on this path, on this path that's leading away from God, it's very easy to slowly begin to adopt the practices and mentality of the people that are on that path. You surround yourself with people on that path long enough and you'll begin to agree with their opinions. So he's described this path. Now he shifts back to the blessed path and he says the person that's on the, the blessed path, the blessed one is not over here, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And they meditate on his law day and night. When you hear the word law, maybe you think of the Ten Commandments or 
you think of a bunch of rules or do's and don'ts or it feels restrictive. Uh, maybe think of it as the way of God. The blessed person, the, the, the rewarding path is the person who is committed to the way of God, what God says, what God wants what God desires, what God's principles are, what God's patterns are, what God wants for my future. The blessed one is following that path. And, and he says they meditate on that way, on that law, day and night. He doesn't mean you read your Bible 24-7. Uh, he, he, he doesn't mean you're always quoting Scripture, although that's a fine thing to do. But that's not what he means. He doesn't mean it's, it's reading the Bible all the time, every waking moment. What he means is on this path, on the path we should be on, there is a continual awareness of, of the way God wants me to live. The, the patterns that God wants for my life, the, the choices that God wants for my life. My mind is never far away from what does God want for me? How is God directing me? How can I live more towards the way and the will of God? It's not just rules, and it's not just reading the Bible, although we know the way of God. We know the, the desires of God the more we get into the Word of God. Like the more we discover about God from His Word, the more rooted we are in the message of God, the will of God, the way of God. And, and maybe for some of us, we aren't growing because we, we don't have a good grasp of who God is and what his way is like. And we don't have real clarity from his word on what the path of God would look like. We, we've ignored deepening our roots in the Word of God so we don't really know the, the path of God. You and I, we, we need time in His Word. And it's, it's more than just a passing knowledge of the Bible or, or some trivia about the Bible or a verse that I memorized here or there. I know a little bit about what the Bible says. It's digging in and getting a, a scope of, of all that God has to say to us for our lives. Listen, there, there are things in the Bible that stretch me. Right? There are things in the Bible I don't fully understand, and even some things I think I understand, I have a really hard time explaining, but it's in the wrestling with those issues, the wrestling with the, the, the hard and deep concepts of God's Word that the roots of my life grow deeper and I get clarity on what it means to walk in the way of God. It, it's, it's more than having a one-verse answer for every question. Uh, it, it's more than memorizing some simplistic answer for every issue in the world. It, it's more than responding, well, that's what I've always been told. It's allowing the roots of my life to grow deeply into the Word of God so that I get clarity 
about what it looks like to walk the path of God, to walk in the way of God. The author of this first chapter, he uses planting analogy like we've been using in the very next verse, verse 3. That person, like the one that's walking in the word of God, in the way of God, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. We've shifted back to the other path. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. So two paths, two very different outcomes. The the person who walks in the way of God by the principles of God rooted in the word of God and the grace of God that person the author says is like a tree planted by streams of water like they're they're rooted there's a there's there's a vitality they're healthy they're growing they're vibrant they're they're reproducing they bear fruit they they're living an abundant life a meaningful Uh, uh, a deeply fulfilling life because they are grounded in the way of God and grounded in the word of God. Even if everything else around them is dry, which is sort of the picture here, this tree is planted by a stream of water. Uh, Often in the Middle East, there's there's a lot of dry ground, but, but where there's water, Trees and plants can, can grow and get nourishment and, get, and be rooted. And so the picture is the idea of a tree in difficult circumstances, but because that tree is close to the source, close to the, the water, then it's able to grow strong. It's able to produce fruit. The same is true in our life. The blessed life does not make us immune to struggles or, or tragedies or difficulties or or hard times. We're not immune from, from that. The author of Psalm chapter 1 is saying, even in the middle of that, if you're rooted in God, in His way and His word, if you're drawing your strength from your faith, from the grace of God, from the, the person of God, then you can bear fruit even when your surroundings are barren and dry. That, that's the life that God is trying to give us compared with the other life, which the author describes as chaff. Chaff is a reference to uh, the grain harvest. Uh, Whenever the grain would be harvested and uh, the stalks would be cut down and and they would be piled up and and often they would be trampled to try to separate the, the grain from the husk and uh, uh, the stems and the trash. And, and, and often, there's several examples of this in the Bible. Often at the end of the day, when the evening breeze would blow, they would throw all of that into the air and the wind would help separate the two. Because the chaff, because the husk and the trash was lighter than the, the grain, the grain would fall back down and everything else would get blown away by the wind. It just didn't have the weight to stand up against the wind. Now, the author of Psalm 1 is saying, 
If we're living opposed to the will and way and word of God, if we're living for ourselves, if we're, we're living, as he said, surrounded by the wicked, the people who reject God, then our life is going to lack weight. It's going to lack meaning. It's not going to be rooted. It's not going to be grounded. It's not going to withstand the winds of life. Solomon deals with this a lot in the book of Ecclesiastes. He uses the phrase meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Or in the King James, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What he means is there's no weight to the things of this life. The things of this world, they're going to pass away. There's no lasting ultimate value. And if we're living for this world, if we're living for what we can get out of this world, it's going to get blown away. There's not an abundance that's going to last. There's not a, a substance to our life. Psalm chapter 1 saying the same thing. We're either on a path towards God's will and God's way that is producing a solid tree with with fruit and strength and endurance and, and health and growth, or we're living apart from God's will and apart from God's way, and there's really no substance ultimately to our life. There's no core, there's no, there's no weight. We're each on one of those two paths. The question is, which path are you on? Which path am I on? And is that the path we want to stay on? I want to encourage you not to think of this concept in terms of rewards and punishment. That's not what the psalmist is saying. The Bible talks about rewards and punishment at times, but in Psalm chapter 1, He's not really describing getting rewarded for being on the godly path or getting punished for being on the ungodly path. Blessing, in the sense that it's used here in Psalm chapter 1, blessing is not the reward for the righteous life. It's the result of the righteous life. It's not the reward. It's just the result of walking with God. We grow deeper as a result of walking closely with God. Not, God's not in heaven going, up. Oh, you made a good decision, going to give you a reward. Uh, you made the right choice, going to give you a reward. You made the wrong decision, going to send a punishment. That, that's not the concept that you and I should have of God. That's not the concept presented in Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is saying look, the result of walking with God is an abundant, healthy, growing life. God's not handing out individual rewards. It's just the result of following after God and, and weightless, ultimately unsatisfying, uh, ultimately eternally, eternally meaningless life. It's not the punishment of, uh, that God sends. It, it's the result of being on the wrong path. Look, sometimes I think people give God too much blame and demons too much credit in their lives, right? When things go, when things get difficult for us, sometimes we're tempted to say, well, God's, God's punishing me. Well, God's not happy with me. 
Or some, sometimes we say, well, the devil's really working hard on me. The demons are really working hard on me. But maybe it's not that at all. Maybe what I'm experiencing is simply the result of the path that I'm on. Like God and demons maybe aren't directly involved. Maybe I'm just experiencing the result of the path I keep walking. And blaming God or, or, or saying that it's the devil or saying that it's demons is often a way for me to avoid responsibility for the choices I keep making. It's often a way for me to avoid responsibility for the path I keep walking. And I don't really want to change that path, so I don't want to say that this is the result of my choice. I want to avoid responsibility, so let's blame God. Let's say it was the devil. When, when maybe what I'm experiencing is not a reward or a punishment. It's just the result of the path that I'm on. There are principles when it comes to planting and harvesting. Uh, you, you can't plant a tomato plant outdoors in December and expect it to do well. You just can't do that. You, you can't plant something and not water it for three months and expect it to produce vegetables or expect it to produce fruit. You just can't do that. You can't plant something and not make sure it has the the nutrients that it needs you you can't plant something and never fertilize it and expect it to grow that's not a reward and that's not a punishment If, if you plant a tomato plant outside in the winter and it doesn't produce a tomato you 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 really shouldn't say well I'm just being punished I'm being punished that I didn't get a tomato no that's just the result of you not following the principles of planting and harvesting. Right? That's just a result of you not following a very clear pattern that says this is how things grow. This is how you reap a, har- a harvest. And, and in the same way, if you do follow all the rules and you, and you harvest a, a crop, a, a vegetable, it's probably not entirely right to say, well, look, I'm being rewarded. No, you're experiencing the result of following the principles that lead to a harvest. I think that's what Psalm 1 is saying. Psalm 1 is saying, you're going to choose a path. You're going to choose the path that leads toward the will and the way of God. You're going to submit yourself to the principles of God. You're, you're going to grow your roots deep into the word of God. And as you're on this path, you're going to experience the results of walking with God. Versus, if you reject God's way, if you reject God's pattern, if you reject God's principles, well, you're going to experience the results of that. Not as punishment, as the consequences of the decisions that you made. There's two paths. We're all on one of them a path that yields to the principles of God and produces fruit, or the path that rejects the principles of God and perishes. Now, let's state the obvious. None of us live out the right path perfectly. Let's just be honest. None of us get it right every single time. None of us make the right decision every single time. 
We're not smart enough. We're not spiritual enough. We're not strong enough. Here's the good news about what the psalmist calls the blessed path. There was one who walked the blessed path perfectly. His name is Jesus. There is one who walked and yielded to the principles of God and the patterns of God his entire life. He meditated on the way of God, the words of God, his entire life and never resisted that one time. When you and I begin to walk that path, we get his help. Jesus begins to help us. He begins to strengthen us. He gives us grace when we fall. He gives us forgiveness when we need it. None of us are going to walk that path perfectly. And the reality is, the only way onto that path is through Jesus. The only way onto the righteous path is through the person of Jesus. Jesus told his disciples in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's the way to eternal life. But that's also the way into the spiritual life in this world. The way we begin to walk this path and bear fruit in our life, fruit that can be harvested, fruit that's healthy, is to come through the person of Jesus, the grace of Jesus. None of us earn our way onto this path. None of us are good enough to get on this path. Our efforts are, always come up short as we're trying to walk this path. We need the grace of Jesus that will walk with us into the righteousness of God, the obedience of God, and Jesus offers that. Jesus offers that. He he gives the invitation for you and I to turn away from the meaningless things of this life and live for the eternal things of the next life it's through the life and death and resurrection of jesus it's by trusting the door to the path is the person of jesus who lived for us and died for us and rose again and if you've never come through jesus to the path of righteousness i encourage you to do that today i encourage you to to admit that you don't want to be on this path anymore. You want to come to a path that acknowledges and lives in the way of God, under the principles of God, through the word of God, and you want to do that by coming by faith to Jesus. He stands ready to open the door for an eternal life, a new life in you and in me, if we'll just admit it. We'll just come to him. So I ask you, Which path are you on? And is it the path that you want to be on? Is it the path that you want to stay on? And before you answer that, is it the path that's going to lead where you really want to go? Is it the path that's going to produce the life that you really want? Because there's only two paths. One that leads a strong life of fruitfulness and meaning and one that leads to chaff weightlessness meaningless nothing jesus offers eternal life to us accept that god we thank you that the psalmist was so clear about 
about our life and that really there's two options. There's, there's the path of the way of God and there's the path that rejects that way. And every person listening to this is on one of those two paths. I pray we would be honest about where we are and I pray we would wrestle with the question of do I want to stay where I am or do I want to walk a better path? Thank you that in dry and difficult times, we can be like a tree planted by streams of water, strong and vibrant and growing, bearing fruit. Help us to walk that path well. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.